Uh, just before we get started, I want to show you a quick picture of my family as we're uh, dealing with Father's Day. Uh, that is us. You might have seen that before. Hopefully in the next few days, I'll get a new one. Uh, but beside me, I'm the big fat guy on the side in case you didn't recognize me. Um, my wife, Jenny, uh, was previously on staff here at the Neighborhood Church up until just a few weeks ago. She just started as a full-time counselor with Catholic Family Services. On the far end is my oldest son, uh, Louis IV, as we continue to try and start a monarchy. Uh, next to him is my youngest son, Plomin, who's right over here. Give a wave of all Plomin. There you go. Uh, next to him is my uh, second oldest son, Manny, who turns 20 years old tomorrow. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And then my daughter, who is graduating from high school next week and uh, starting university next year. And so that's my family. And just another interesting point of note about my family, uh, this is free, uh, my grandma turned 99 today. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, I agree. So uh, anyways, that's, uh, that's my family. And as we talk about Father's Day, there's my, uh, my four children. So let's uh, just open with a word of prayer, guys, if you'll bow with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, today as we look to your word, we pray that your word would become alive in our lives. Lord, may it be more than just words that are written on a page, but may they become truths that are embedded in the very being and DNA of who we are. Lord, help us to understand that we are we can be the living, walking, talking, breathing word of God, that we actually are the present day representation of Jesus, his hands, his feet to this world today. And that we as a corporate body and individually are the temple of the spirit of God on earth, that where we go, the spirit of God goes. And that changes attitudes, atmospheres, and situations. Lord, may these truths be very real to us today, we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, guys. Has anybody got their Father's Day gift yet? Anybody got Father's Day gifts yet? Anybody get the, yeah, a couple people? Anybody get the classic Father's Day mug? Anybody? No comment? See, I actually wonder if we can't kind of like uh, base our quality of parenting or quality of fathering based on the Father's Day mug we get, right? And maybe you one point in time got the, uh, the best, best dad ever. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, not quite as good as the next one, which is, Super dad. Now that, that's even a little bit better. Now, you know, maybe there's a few of you that are even beyond super dad and, and you're, you're more, maybe you got this next mug. You are the best dad in the world ever. All right, that's even beyond that. Now, now some of us, maybe we don't quite hit those heights. I don't know, maybe you got, eh, most average dad, eh. You know, or maybe some of you got the next one, world's most average dad. Not just, you're, you're the world, like you were right on the, eh. You know, maybe the next one, world's okayest dad. Yeah, you're, you're doing the best you can, man, you know. My uh, world's greatest, oh, how'd that one get in there? We'll skip over that one. Let's go to the next one. World's not worst mom. Yeah, I'm not even sure what that means, but yeah, something, right? Or my personal favorite, world's most clueless dad on the bottom of the mug. Here. Father's Day 2022, and I, I hope you had some humor and some fun with that. One of, one of the great kind of unfortunate realities is that society has actually painted fathers in our present age as kind of buffoons and dullards. 
Uh, one sitcom talked about the fact, one sitcom show talked about how dads or father, the word father is found in the, uh, in the dictionary between fathead and fatigued. And then kind of went on to talk about how that's kind of the definition of modern fathers. Fatigued fatheads. Society has, has turned fathers into buffoons and simpletons, dullards. And that's actually something that breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart for a number of reasons, but one of the primary reasons, one of the primary reasons that it breaks my heart that society looks at dads as buffoons and and dullards is because one of the primary ways that God relates to us is what? The Bible tells us that God is our... He's our Father. God is our... Father. God is our Father. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Time and time and time again throughout Scripture, God is related to us as this Father. God represents himself to us as a heavenly Father. And because God represents himself to us as a heavenly Father, our children's first or or basic understandings of who God is are formed through their interactions with us there, earthly fathers. My children's, those four kids that you've seen on the screen earlier, my children's impressions and, and assumptions of God, their heavenly father, are formed because of me, their earthly father, whether good or bad. There's actually studies that show that the sexual identity of boys and girls is derived from their, their father, as is their concept, concept of if God is angry, absent, or loving. God has given me, a dad, the privilege of, of imitating him as father. Guys, God has placed upon our shoulders this incredible responsibility. And I find it terrifying and honoring at the same time. Like just, it terrifies me and, and it makes me stand in incredible honor. God's title is Father and so is mine. God's title is Father and so is mine. God has given me the privilege of imitating him to my children. Oh boy. God has given me the privilege of trying to imitate him to my children? Honoring and terrifying my kids' basic understanding of God as either angry, absent, or or loving is going to be first and foremost formulated based on me. Oh. My kid's basic understanding of God, whether he's a God of anger or a God that's absent or, or a God that's loving is going to be first and foremost primarily based on Terrifying, honoring. This privilege of being a father. 
Father's Day, 2022. I want to name my message and title my message, Godly Masculinity. So much in media, we hear these terms, toxic masculinity. So I wanted to talk about godly masculinity. And the reality is, is this is a massive topic that I'm going to speak on for 30 minutes. So you may end up at the end of this think, you know, there's some areas you, you didn't quite address, Pastor Louie. And that's true, because I'm not going to be able to cover everything. And, and I'd love to have a conversation with you if you want to go beyond this 30-minute this message. Or you're going to think, well, there's a whole lot more to it. You know, you're going to think you missed some or, or there's more. And either way, if you, if you want to talk beyond this message, I'd love to journey with you and talk with you. But this idea of godly masculinity. As we start kind of the foundation, I just want to mention this point. God created male and female. He created masculine and feminine before the fall. God created us as male and female, as masculine and feminine before the fall of mankind. In Genesis 127, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them both Male and female. He created masculinity and femininity before the fall. Jesus reiterates it in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, haven't you read the scriptures? From the very beginning, God said that he created us in the image, his image of both male and female. Before sin enters the world, God creates masculinity and God creates femininity. Now the fall came and messed everything up and we've got all sorts of baggage because of that. But I want you to understand that both masculine and feminine were a part of the pre-fall. They were part of God's perfect created order before sin entered. Male strength and masculinity when not submitted to Jesus can be destructive. But masculinity, male strength, when it's fully submitted to the lordship of Jesus, can transform a world. Godly masculinity is, by the very nature, masculinity that is submitted to the lordship of Jesus. Male strength that has been submitted, given to the authority of Christ, In John 14, Jesus is sitting around with the disciples. He's talking about the day that was about to come where he'd be betrayed. He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says to these 12 men, his disciples, these 12 guys, he says, those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones that love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Then a few few verses later, he reiterates it all over again. He says, all who love me, do what I say. My father will love them and they will come and make, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me doesn't obey me. And he says, remember, these aren't my words. These are the words of the father. Godly masculinity is masculinity that is submitted to the lordship of Jesus. Jesus, in his last commands before leaving earth, he says to the disciples, he gives us the great commission to go make disciples, baptize, and then to teach them to obey all the commands he has given. Dads, fathers, we need, we need to be people who have allowed someone into our lives to help teach us 
to obey the commands of Christ. And we have been given the privilege of being dads, these children. And one of our privileges as we submit our masculine strength to the lordship of Jesus is to teach them to obey. The strength of men. Guys, your strength, when submitted to Jesus, can and will transform a world. However, the strength of men, when not submitted to Jesus, when not obeying the teaching and commands of Jesus, can be very destructive. But godly masculinity... It's the masculinity, it's the strength of men that has been fully submitted to the lordship of Jesus. The next thought here, godly masculinity practices self-control while understanding and experiencing the incredible joy in it. Practicing self-control while understanding and experiencing the fact that God doesn't tell us there's boundaries to crush us. He tells us and puts boundaries in place for us to live a self-controlled life to experience the full joy that he would have for us, his sons, his daughters. In the the book of Titus, the apostle Paul is writing these words uh, to, to Titus, and Titus was in charge of the churches in this island of Crete. And this island was famous for, it was known for men who were treacherous, violent, and sexually corrupt. And in that context, Paul writes to Titus these words. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. And a few verses later in verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our gl- the, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Godly masculinity. It practices self-control while understanding and experiencing the incredible joy in it. Paul singles out this idea of self-control for young men. He reiterates it later for old men. But but young men, the glory of young men is their strength. But strength that is not pointed in the right direction can be destructive. Strength not used becomes idleness and passivity. Unbridled strength is reckless and dangerous. But strength governed by wisdom, directed by the power of the Spirit of the living God. Strength that is aimed at the good of others. This is what God is asking of us. Godly masculinity practices self-control while understanding and experiencing the joy in it. Uh, Dr. Joe Rigney 
uh, talking about C.K. Chesterton, he said this. He said, Chesterton once remarked that the reason that order and structure exist in God's world is to make room for good things to run wild. God erects walls around the city so that life can happen inside. God establishes boundaries so joy can be unleashed. A godly man respects and delights in the fences built by God and then rides bareback across the bounded plain, wind whipping in his hair. Wind whips in some hair more than others. The reason for self-control is not because God is a buzzkill. The reason for self-control submitted to Christ is that we can experience the fullness of joy that God has for us in this present age, men. Self-control in the area of sexuality and finances and work and relationships. Self-controlled, well-understanding and experiencing the incredible joy that comes in it. The joy within the boundaries of a sexual relationship defined by God. The joy and, and financial freedom when we live a life with our finances entrusted to God. Actually, he's entrusted his finances to us. But when we live in a way that is self-controlled, we can experience the joy in it. Joy as we use the masculine strength that God put inside of us to do work to touch and transform lives. Strength that is governed by wisdom, guided by the Spirit. Strength that is aimed at helping others. My last kind of thought for the night. Godly masculinity is about taking responsibility for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of those in our care and those who need our care. In Acts chapter 6, we see that the, uh, the uh, Hellenistic Jews, the widows weren't being taken care of, so, so they put seven godly men in charge of, of taking care of those who needed care. In the book of James, we read religion that is good, or religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James says that the religion that God our Father finds pure and faultless is religion that, that looks after the cares and needs of someone else. Godly masculinity, the strength that God created and put in us as men, is about taking responsibility for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of those in our care and those who need our care. My man on the PowerPoint is one step ahead of me. That's awesome. So I'm going to be a bit more aggressive, as you might have just seen. I'm going to change out some words. So instead of just taking care of, we're going to go to the next slide. Godly masculinity is about fighting. Fighting for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of those in our care and those who need our care. It's about fighting for. when I said the word fighting, every man in the room, something happened inside. It's okay to have an emotional experience. Fighting for. And please hear me very, very clearly. I'm not talking about using our strength to be abusive. 
or to bully or, or to be destructive, destructive. That is not this message. But I truly believe deep inside of the heart of every man, there, there's a cause. There's something that God wants us to fight for. Every man that's been created in the image and likeness of God has a cause to fight for. There's actually something that happens within us as men when, when we start to fight for something that is greater than us. It, it causes us to, to rise up and, and step into a new level of, of authority and step into a place of willing to lay down our lives when we start to fight for something beyond ourselves. In the uh, book of Nehemiah, uh, the Israelites were starting to rebuild the wall. And there was a group that wasn't very happy about this. They, they had a few enemies. And starting in Nehemiah 4, verse 7, it says, Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that repair to the walls of Jerusalem went on, and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause the disturbance in it. Then jumping down to verse 11. Our enemies have said that, that, that we will not know or see until we come upon them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. And when the Jews who lived near them came and told them this ten times, they, they'll come up against us from every place, wherever they turn. And then Nehemiah, then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space between the walls, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Godly masculinity is about fighting for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of those that are in our care and those that need our care. And my brothers, we have an enemy. There, there's a spiritual enemy, and he is not happy with us. He is not impressed. He wants to bring destruction. He wants to bring damage to the family and your children that God has put under your care. He wants to destroy the basic image of God the Father by making earthly fathers look like buffoons and dullards. There's a battle going on for the souls of our families and our friends. There's a battle going on for the hearts and minds of a generation. And sometimes I fear we, the people of God, and sometimes I fear even we fathers, we men of God, sometimes we're just living a little too passively and we're letting the enemy run wild. And the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of those in our care and those who need our care desperately, desperately need someone to stand in the gap with godly masculinity and fight. I stationed men in the lowest parts of the wall, in the spaces between the wall, in those exposed places. 
I stationed men where there was gaps, where the enemy could get in. And then I reminded them not to be afraid. Remember our Lord who is powerful and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sisters and your children and your wives and your homes. Every man created in the image and likeness of God has a cause to fight for. And each of us men, myself included, need to step in greater ways into that fight. We need to get into the fight and we need to be willing to do battle for our marriages or some of us won't have a marriage. Some of us need to stand in that gap and do battle for our children created with a cause to fight for. Created by God with a cause to fight for. But here's the problem. Within men, there's this fighting spirit. It comes out in different ways. But if we don't fight for the right cause, what happens with guys is we'll start fighting against the wrong things. Because there's something in us that just causes us to... Godly masculinity. Godly masculinity is about fighting for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of those in our care and those that need our care. Uh, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, I'm going to read a couple quotes. Uh, one quote, he says this. He says, was, well, women weep as they do now, I'll fight. Well, little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. Well, men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor girl on the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. Guys, is that a cause to fight for? Another William Booth quote. You must do it with the light that is now broken in upon your mind and the call that is now surrounding in your ears and the beckoning hands that are now before your eyes. You have no alternative to go down amongst the perishing crowds is your duty. Your happiness from now on will consist in sharing their misery, your ease in sharing their pain, your crown in helping them to bear their cross, and your heaven in going into the very jaws of hell to rescue them. Oh, godly masculinity is about fighting for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of those that God has put in our care. Another William Booth quote, you must do it. You cannot hold back. You've enjoyed yourself in Christianity long enough. You've had pleasant feelings, pleasant songs, pleasant meetings, pleasant prospects. There's been much of human happiness, much clapping of hands and shouting of praises, very much of heaven on earth. Now then, go to God and tell him you are prepared as much as necessary to turn your back upon it all that you're willing to spend the rest of your days struggling in the midst of these perishing multitudes, whatever it may cost you. And then C.T. Studd said this, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. <sighs> Man, God has created you in his image. He's created you with a godly masculinity that is to be used to care for the needs 
physical, spiritual, emotional, of those he's put in our care. Uh, Chelsea and the worship band, if you want to come on up. Godly masculinity. God created male and female. He created masculine and feminine, feminine before the fall. Okay? Godly masculinity is a masculinity that is submitted to the lordship of Jesus. Godly masculinity practices self-control. Guys, we have so many vices and appetites. But godly masculinity practices practices self-control while understanding and experiencing the joy in it. And godly masculinity is about fighting. Fighting for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of those in our care and those that need our care. And I just want you to know that Jesus himself lived out godly masculinity. Now, he didn't submit to himself. He submitted to the Father, right? God submitted to the Father. He practiced self-control and experienced the incredible joy in it. Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, what did Jesus do? He went to the cross, suffering its shame, so he could be seated on the right hand of the Father. Jesus lived this out, practiced self-control to experience the incredible joy. And Jesus fought for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of those in his care and those who are entrusted to him. The entire gospel message. The entire gospel message. Guess what? It's wrapped up like this. Jesus killed the dragon and got the girl. Every great adventure story in all of human history takes a, a man stepping forth, going on a grand adventure, slaying the beast and winning the gal. The gospel story, Jesus, by laying down his own life, defeats the, old, the serpent of old, defeats the dragon. And he did it, why? Because he's seen his bride going down the broad road to destruction. He did it to take care of the physical, spiritual, and emotional care needs of his bride. He didn't blame somebody else. He fought. He bled. He didn't gripe and groan. He submitted himself. God, not my will, but yours be done. And he fought to take care of his bride, you and I, the church, so we could be beautiful, spotless. Dads, Father's Day, I do really want to wish you a, a happy Father's Day. And I want to give you a little bit of a challenge. And I want to compliment you because I think so many of you are living out godly masculinity. But in Father's Day 2023, are you going to be okay with the uh, world's not worst mom or okayest dad mug? Or, or maybe Father's Day 2023, you'll get the mug that reads, I know the love of God the Father because I experienced it through you, my earthly dad. Men, men, may we use our strength 
May we use our God-created strength in a way that is submitted to Christ, that is truly godly. And the world was changed. It's changed by godly men who would step out and fight for the needs of those that were put under their care that needed their care. And I pray we change the world again. That we don't sit by and be passive, that our kids don't see us as an angry father and think of God as angry or as, a, as an absentee father, but, but they see us as, as truly loving and truly willing to stand in the gap and fight for them and fight for those in need. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Father's Day. Lord, I thank you for men. I thank you that you created us with this, this strength, that you created us with a desire to fight for a cause. And Lord, I pray the men of neighborhood church would be men who don't, who don't allow our strength to go to waste or don't fight for the wrong or fight against the wrong cause, but we would be men who exhibit masculine, godly masculinity submitted to you, living out lives that are self-controlled and experiencing the joy and the wonders within the boundaries that God has created and men who will fight, who will fight by laying down our lives if it has to be, but will fight for those who you've put in their care so they will physically, spiritually, emotionally be safe and healthy. God bless these guys, and may our community, our church, our city be transformed because we, the men of God, stepped in to godly masculinity, I pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.